0: Blood Talk Radio.
1: Hello,
2: and welcome to the greatest show on earth. It's Wednesday, it's midweek, and we're trying to get you through that midweek slump with an all-new episode of Talking Terror. Tonight on the show, we're going to be discussing the Dario Argento 1982 film, Tenebrae, which is the Gold Geeks pick for tonight. I cannot tell you how excited I am to talk about this classic. So, as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back. And I'm also joined by the bold, the beautiful, the gold Geeks, Geek.
1: Ciao! Ciao! Buongiorno!
2: Ciao, Bella!
1: <laughs> what is happening, everybody?
2: We welcome you back, and as I said, this is The Ghoul's Pick. Very excited to talk about it later on in the show. We're also joined by the monkey. He's fresh out of his Italian wine, and now he's ready to talk. Monkey!
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: What's up, man? Co-host. <laughs> uh, there we go. Keep it friendly. Yeah. Oh, that oh
0: politically man. correct. Uh,
3: it, 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 it sounds like the ghoul is definitely going <laughs> Dr. Doolittle again this episode. <laughs> but either way, moving on. Okay. Um,
1: yeah, I apologize. Did you see a chicken? <laughs>
3: they're,
1: uh, they're, 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 it's, it's, it's like Highlander in this house. But it's the chickening instead of the, the quickening.
0: Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. There's This voice in Let me There's see
1: if, team, I can, right? if I can... Let's see if I can mute them They might get louder before
3: they get quieter <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> They're huge fans of Italian horror So that's why they're excited about this episode yeah. <laughs> So Indeed
1: excited. There we go They kind of silenced them <laughs> or yeah. One or the other, I don't know They had to the, the top a couple of times there well,
4: There we go <laughs> right. And we're also going by
2: Dr. Dave Hello Dave,
4: welcome to the show Oh, thank you. Are you broadcasting? Um, I just need to ask because it's what it sounds like. Are you are you broadcasting from the fucking chicken coop again? I uh, am <laughs> broadcasting from the from the coop. <laughs> no, <not laughs> the coo- coo- <laughs> Excellent.
0: Very good. I know you like it. Eating
2: chicken wings. No, very very good. So glad comes back,
4: back. Uh,
2: so glad to be back, Doc. How have you guys been since we last spoke?
4: Uh, it's been it's been a little bit for me. Uh, I've been fine, and it is time for another exciting edition of Talking Terror. Yeah, uh, as always. It's
3: yeah, <laughs> I, I gotta say it's great to have you, Doc. I'm I'm surprised you made it since. Game seven of the Stanley Cup is going on right now as we're broadcasting.
4: Oh, I, I'm I'm
3: well aware. I, I'm watching. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it's in
4: that between the mine. first and second period. It's in between the first and second period. Oh. Oh hey, hey, everybody. It's <laughs> in between Hardy. the first and second period right now? It's in between <laughs> the first and second period. It is.
1: It's in between the first and second period. Well, it's, or it's in between the second and first period. Well, depending on how you look at it.
4: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Whatever, whatever, whatever makes you happy. I'm looking at
1: Charles Barkley on the screen right now.
4: He's playing uh, hockey now. Oh, sorry.
3: Yeah, he's playing Sam slam again.
0: He's <laughs> so, no like, I'm gonna play, play again. <laughs> he's playing hockey <laughs> now for the Bruins. <laughs> you all playing hockey. Oh man, he actually made a shot.
1: I just (laughs) need me some dad
3: Before we get into the show, I just want to take a quick moment to say this weekend is Father's Day weekend And just want to take a quick moment to sit there and say thanks dad, I know know you are not listening But either way, just uh, giving a quick thanks to my dad for busting his ass his entire life Uh, Trying to raise this monkey right Unfortunately I still ended up in the rehabilitation clinic But hey dad you tried I appreciate it
2: (laughs) Man Now we have to get into a cake that says you tried
0: (laughs) Um, um. For me Being
1: that it's Father's Day And whatnot, I just actually want to I'm going to do a little bit of a reverse I want to say thank you to my mother For not swallowing or flushing me
0: Yeah?
1: Good choice. Made the right choice.
2: Because we are blessed by your family each and every day. I'm so
0: happy that the hanger missed.
3: (laughs) Well, you were punching
2: that hanger out of the way, let's be honest.
3: Get that shit away from me. I'm going to be
2: born with you like it or not.
1: He yanked out the other
3: hands and started beating with him. I tickled. Gave me a funny nipple, you know?
0: Give <laughs> me the weirdest be, looking. The extra a hole.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, That's great. Yeah, Father's Day is this Sunday, so glad to disappoint you each and every year, Dad. Just giving it to you.
0: Real
1: <laughs> no reality, love your Dad. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I love him, but I wonder
2: how many times a day he says, "What the fuck." Every single time you think about what I'm doing,
0: like
3: I don't
2: understand these horror movies. He does, whatever. He's fucking weird. Thanks, Dad. You
0: rule.
3: Why can't you watch, my why weird... can you watch sports like a real person?
1: <laughs> my weird <laughs> yeah. fucking kid Andy. <laughs> yeah, you
0: know.
2: I got one kid. He
1: likes sports
2: and fucking manly shit. Then I have my other son who likes chainsaws and boobs. It's fucking <laughs> weird. <laughs>
0: What's wrong with boobs?
1: Mm-hmm. Nothing, but you like weird boobs. You like horror movies. <laughs> boobs. Are true. Boo- boobs are cool, dude. Boobs are awesome. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with boobs. <laughs>
3: no. Nope. No,
2: I keep having them mind.
1: Okay.
3: Um,
2: so before we get into the horror talk, does anybody have anything they want to talk about before we get into uh, the news for tonight? Boops. I
3: only had the one thing that I know the doc is going to bring up, so let's roll with it. Okay, All right, go doc. ahead. Bring it up. You You said you wanted to talk about it. <laughs> Well you well, can, somebody you can talk about it. You can yeah, go on the road. Let's go. Well David Spielberg has a new thing that he's coming out with where apparently he's working on ten to twelve episodes of what looks like um it's gonna be short videos that are gonna be exclusively on this thing called Quiddy. I don't know what it is. Um Quiddy But <laughs> Quiddy. Yeah, we're gonna talk Q-I-D-I. about this. <laughs> Okay. is not be, what
1: they said uh, in uh, Dude, Where's My Car? Uh,
3: it, was uh, it was Shibby. Yeah, not <laughs> Quibby. Yeah. Shibby! But it's going to be yep. called Spielberg's After Dark, and apparently this is the kind of thing that, from what I understand, you will only be able to watch this after dark. You will not be able to watch this during the day. Now, Doc, do you want to continue on from here?
4: Yeah, so apparently this is a service... That is going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a, another yet another subscription streaming service. Uh, that is launching, not launching until April of 2020. Uh, it's going to be a $4.99 a month uh, price. Uh, they say their poor demographic is people between the ages of 25 and 35. They're calling it short attention span theater. Uh, all videos that they air, all videos they air will be between seven and ten minutes. That's perfect. Now, uh, so Steven Spielberg apparently is writing <laughs> seven and, they, and ten minutes. Like, what are
1: they out of their fucking mind, man? Like I tell my kids, three minutes is too long.
4: Anything that goes over <laughs> three, and I'm done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Spielberg – no, 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 no problem. Uh, So Spielberg apparently uh, is writing a – and I quote – creepy and super scary show uh, for this service uh, that he's already written four or five chapters of what are going to be 10 to 12 chapters, uh, and that he is going to watch these only to air at midnight with some type of clock that gives people just a limited time – uh, to watch. So okay. uh, again, uh, ten chapters, twelve chapters. Each of these are going to be told in I guess seven to ten minute windows. Um, and again, they're they're calling this whole project, this whole Quibi thing, uh, short attention span theater. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. And yet and another service that, I will not get. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no. the four the <laughs> though is is for the ad supported version. If you want ad free, that's seven ninety nine a month. Okay, what? but okay.
0: <laughs>
3: but on top of all that, the thing is, this show or this show is not going to be available to watch at all during the day. It's, like the doc said. It's going to have a timer on it, and you will not be able to access these episodes at all during the day. It's kind of dumb. <laughs> I mean, can I just say that? And, I don't know. It's <laughs> kind
0: of
2: dumb. They have the whole, like. It's such a gimmick, and I get it. The gimmick. But it's dumb. Like, you know, oh, you can only watch it at midnight, and there's a timer, mm-hmm. and it's 7 to 10 minutes. It's, like, it's such mm-hmm. a gimmick that I'm already kind of turned off to it. I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. I don't to, what I have to watch – I don't want to stay up until midnight to watch a 7 to 10-minute video. It's not even going to be that scary. Like, I have things to do. I have to get yeah. out of the morning for work.
3: <laughs> yeah, but, but I will say this is the interesting thing is Spielberg is actually doing the writing himself supposedly. You know, where for for this thing, he he is doing all the writing himself. Since when is he a horror writer? Didn't he do Jaws? Uh,
4: apparently, <laughs> well, he directed he directed Jaws. Uh, you yeah, know, he directed but, but but uh, it's a it's a yeah, it's a Jaws is from a Peter Benchley novel. Uh, you know, he has had his hand in things here and there, but he's primarily been a director. The um, mm-hmm. uh, Ghoul and I were recently having a discussion about where uh, Quentin Tarantino falls in the pantheon of writer and directors. And The uh, Ghoul brought up Spielberg, but my counter to that was that he is primarily a director. He does not write his own material. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he comes up with here. Uh, I mean, he has written stuff before, but he's not primarily known as a writer
3: you're, or you're a, a horror, horror
4: writer, specifically. specifically. So, you know, maybe our conversation
1: wasn't wasn't just horror related. We were just we were just talking in general because of uh, Tarantino and uh, the the upcoming Hollywood films. Yeah. But again, Tarantino,
2: he's weird because not only he writes and he directs, but he's also a huge fan of the horror genre. I mean, all his films have uh, a certain horrific element to it, maybe not horror in the traditional sense, but they do. Um, but Spielberg, I wouldn't put in the horror genre I mean, I know he directed Jaws he had his hand in Poltergeist But I, I don't know, I just don't associate him with horror When I think about, you know, terrifying things Spielberg isn't the first thing that comes to mind
1: No, I think of uh, childhood journey films And epics yeah. like Saving Private Ryan You know what I mean? Like a, a weird mm-hmm. combination of those
2: Exactly and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he makes some great films. It's just that I don't, you know, I've never really put him in the horror genre. So it's interesting to see what he can write. Mm. Right. You don't so, put him in the horror genre. I just don't think you can. I mean, maybe he'll prove me wrong and he'll make some seven to ten minute scary bits. <laughs> but I just, I don't. I'm see just it
4: curious. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to not curious enough enough to find out why but uh given the gravity of who spielberg is in the world of cinema i'm Mm -hmm. curious as to what it is that is driving him towards this uh this new subscription service this new concept uh this new delivery of material i wonder if it is the fact that it's going to be a long story told in little pieces. Uh, I don't know how his involvement came to pass. I don't know who's behind this Quibi or if it's own standalone company. Uh, but again, that's what it, that's what it is, and uh, you know that's what Spielberg is up to. Well, I think we actually brought up
2: Quibi not that long ago on the show because I think Sam Raimi is supposed to have a show on Quibi uh, when it debuts next year, like Fifty States of Horror or something like that where it's going to be like a different state every episode and it's going to be a horror story. I think that's what we brought up. I could be wrong, but I could have sworn we brought up Sam Raimi uh, having something with Quibi.
4: Yeah, I haven't seen Uh, anything about that. Not that I can recall off the
2: top of my head.
0: Yeah, it was a while ago.
2: It wasn't recently that we talked about it. I remember Quibi being something that we talked about in another streaming service. But, you know, it's going to debut in 2020, so there's a lot of time. And and hopefully you could. Prove us wrong and deliver a solid product. I just think it's too kitschy, you know, too gimmicky, you know, to work. But who knows? I've been proven wrong. Millennials kind of run things nowadays, so they might love it. They might love that aesthetic. So seven to ten minute kind of YouTube hits.
3: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, so, doc, doc, what else you got going on other than maybe some chicken wings in
4: the <laughs> it's, it's short future? <laughs>
3: uh,
4: so as as we. As we have established on several occasions on this show, uh, we all know and we are all aware that the King of Horror uh, is one of roughly uh, 32 to 39 people that are anxiously awaiting the next installment in, of the Candyman series.
0: And <laughs> apparently <laughs>
4: apparently, <laughs> the new Candyman movie uh, is going to... Is going to explore the issue of toxic fandoms, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, and spend in this gonna modern age. I'm going to your neighbor's, of, neighbor's
1: fucking house and I'm going to shove their kids up their assholes. <laughs> yeah, I
4: know.
1: And that's I'm what I'm going to go to your
4: house and I'm going to go to your house and choke your chickens. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not speaking metaphorically. I'm speaking literally. Uh, right. <laughs> that, that. You know what? Listen, man. That makes it even fucking worse, bro. <laughs> so
0: continuing <laughs> with
4: Candyman <laughs> and Toxic Fandom. So anyway, Toxic Fandom And I guess we of social out. media. Some of the toxic interactions between uh, fans and their subjects. Uh, the guy, the producer, um, Ian. Or Ian, uh, I can't Ian. read my chicken scratch, my chicken, my chicken scratch, no no pun in <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ian Casper, uh, producer On Ian Casper, uh, has, uh, when asked about Tony, Tony Todd, because everyone is mm. clamoring to know, uh, when asked sure. about Tony Todd, uh, his quote was, Tony Todd is just no comment, full stop, end quote. Uh, you can see Candyman. You can see Candyman June twelfth, two thousand twenty, at a yet to be determined location. Wow. Okay.
2: Well, I mean, to add on to that, we had talked about it. I think two weeks ago, where Tony Todd finally admitted that he got the call, and he's like, something's happening. Jordan Peele called me. There's going to be, you know, audience, uh, you know, clapping. It's going to be those type of moments. Well, he went on the Twitter not long after that and said that was blown out of proportion. That's not true. Uh, what I said was that I did have a call, but I'm really busy right now in South Africa filming a movie, so we'll see what happens with the movie. So, again, I feel like this whole movie so far has been nothing but people taking uh, quotes and just blowing them out of proportion, like with the casting of Candyman and Nia Dacosta having to say, that's not true. We're not casting here. <laughs> You know, that's just a, something that somebody took out of context. So again, so, so far it's been nothing, but and that's wrong. That's taken out of context. So I was misquoted.
4: I, <laughs> be, it's so I can I can see it would be really something if I if I had any interest in this. I really am just as I've said before. This is nothing new. I'm just so not interested. And the more and the more this nonsense goes on, like the less interested I become.
0: <laughs>
4: well, I mean, you're, you're not a big sure. Canadian fan, so. It wouldn't, you know, be a big deal yeah. You know, for you. and that's well, that's just the thing. That's just the thing. Like, and it's possible that you know, if everything seemed to be going off without a hitch, uh, you right. know, maybe I would right. take a look. And this this goes for horror. This goes for mm-hmm. any kind of genre movie that I might be interested in. As soon as I start reading about like behind the scenes drama and uh, issues with the production, or a mm-hmm. director leaving halfway through the project, or something having to go back for reshoots uh you know my my interest my interest wanes i agree with
2: that cuz it's, it's happened plenty of times where you read these articles and you're like i just don't want to care anymore like
4: you know the movie will come out when it comes
2: out and that's what it is i mean it, it's terrible but, but in this age of technology you're going to hear about it unfortunately it's not like it was years ago where you
3: never heard about any of this until after now it's all on the internet When Candyman finally gets released, it's going to be a a movie that takes place in the suburbs, and it's going to be an all-white cast.
0: (laughs) Maybe.
2: Who knows? But, yeah, like I said, it's one of those things where in the age of technology, there is no escape from it. It's not like back in the day where you read Fangoria Magazine, and you're like, oh, look at all the -the behind-the-scenes stuff. But you don't know how bad it was until you hear the audio commentary years later. Wow. There's a lot of infighting in that movie. It yeah, so plus, out, okay. know,
0: Fangoria
1: was a was a monthly publication. Mm-hmm. You know, you had that, and basically Entertainment Tonight, which like never covered horror unless it was like a mainstream horror film. No, nope. rarely. Um, so yeah. Fangoria, nope. so Fangoria was your was pretty much your your main thing of getting an article, and they very rarely had any kind Without
4: of question. bad
1: news going on or anything like that. It's just on the internet now. everything's got to be fucking like up to date, you know. Mhm.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't like right say now, that like, back you know, in the I've got day news on the
1: Friday the thirteenth situation. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> that ongoing saga.
1: Say hey, that's what's news? going on
3: in the courtroom right now. You have news?
4: <laughs> last week we did. No.
3: yeah, last week we last week we had the news that there is no news.
4: No, no, I know, I know, I know <laughs> what the news is. I was just I was just excited <laughs> that the ghoul had some news.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Well we had thoughts about it, you know, but yeah, again, it's the ongoing saga of that Which is, again, in the internet age You're going to hear all about it um, But again, like the, the producer said You're going to see Candyman next year Is it going to be an all-white cast, an all-black cast? We'll have to wait and see <laughs> but, uh, So what's next,
4: Don? Uh We have Talked about uh, The upcoming Ghostbusters 3 uh, With Jason Reitman um, <laughs> mm mm-hmm. There's big news that Sigourney Weaver uh, is returning to portray Dana Barrett once again. Yeah. And people yeah. seem to be very excited about that. I'm kind of excited uh, about that, You yeah, sure.
0: Uh, you know, I mean, she
2: missed out in the video game that came out a couple of years ago, and she said personally yeah. she just kind of regretted it, not doing the video uh, game, because it really yeah, was a I reunion mean, of
4: all of them. Yeah. So the story, from what I'm seeing so far, the story is like there's going to be younger characters and supposedly like a family is returning to their hometown somehow where they're going to like learn the secrets of who they are. Uh, I don't yet know how the classic Ghostbusters or Sigourney Weaver's character tie into that plot line.
0: Uh, mm. But
4: in addition to the news about uh, Sigourney Weaver's return to the cast – uh apparently there was some type of convention, Ghostbus G B thirty five or something. There was like a thirty-five yeah. year uh celebration this past weekend. And uh, yeah, apparently I have a friend Tom they... who uh who actually
1: went there. He was there, he was sending the pictures good and all kinds for you. of updates about stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> awesome. good for you.
0: Like, unlike <laughs> just awesome. fucking
1: regular news reporting of articles and shit like that. I have first hand knowledge of what went down <laughs> at that event, man. So suck my dick. Do you have any friends that were at that event? No, you don't, do you?
4: <laughs> suck my chicken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, you don't I don't. Suck my so fucking bad, chicken, okay? Do you, any, do you have any inside information to share from your friend who was at this event? Yeah, nope. he took
0: a picture with Ray Parker.
1: <laughs> Ray Parker who? Jr. Ray
0: who?
1: Parker Jr.
4: I know who he is. I know. Yeah, he had to go to court. He, he had to go to court because Huey Lewis. Uh, yep. He said he ripped off uh, his riffs from the song I Want a New Drug. Uh,
3: so did. Ray he Parker
4: won. Jr. Uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, very exciting. Uh, your friend met Ray Parker Jr. Uh, I'm sure it was a highlight of his experience. Uh, and uh, I hope he had a great time. Looks like he did. <laughs> it was cool. So, in all seriousness, did he have anything to say about. Uh the next thing I was going to talk about was apparently the unearthed some never before seen footage from the original movie. Did he have any That's comments cool about any of that?
1: Uh yeah, I mean they're a little bit there. again. You know, he, he flooded a lot of things with it. He's uh, part of the 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 Ghostbusters team that is always at the NJ HorrorCon. Um mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: uh ghost ghost heads I think they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, yeah, like little stuff up with that. Uh, I know somebody put up the video footage of, I, did. Um, I guess there was uh, stuff with, uh, what's his name, Rick Moranis, uh, some extra Keymaster stuff. Yeah,
2: the Slore scene <laughs> and the extended scene in Damon's apartment. There was a scene of uh, Dan Aykroyd drinking beer. There was also the scene that was in the castle that was
4: before the blowjob sequence. That's actually filmed in the Uh movies. That's actually So, yeah, Chad Aykroyd was uh, having sex with a ghost while wearing period costumes or something. Yeah, where he goes with Winston (laughs) to the castle. And, uh, yeah, it's in the uh, the deleted scenes
2: because the 4K steelbook edition of Ghostbusters just came out and has all that footage on it.
4: Oh, wow. I didn't know. I can't wait to not buy that. Yeah, I wish I had 4K so I could buy it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, uh, so I know, you I know. know
1: Close of said anniversary, I purchased both Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 on digital, for
3: 9.99 the pair. So sweet. And what and the and, problem, go speaking go. Of more, and speaking of more, Shut the fuckin' <laughs> this this year? Uh, Spirit Halloween is releasing a full size, uh, full size statues of the doll creatures from Ghostbusters. The terror dogs, yeah. tell yeah. something
4: about that, yeah. too. <laughs> so, it looks badass.
3: I would want one of those for my apartment. <laughs> it would take know, up your whole apartment. <laughs> it would. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I would have no place get, for it. <laughs> getting back to this event, uh, you know, so apparently, you know, I, I have I, – and, and again, I'm not trying to talk about – uh, you know all of how we feel about this project, but I have I have very strong mixed feelings about this project in general uh, for for many reasons uh, as we talked about I think at length last time. But uh, one mm-hmm. thing that Jason Please, one thing that Jason Reitman, <laughs> one thing that Jason Reitman has said uh, you know which is kind of true when you think back to uh, you know that early to late eighties time period in film. One of the things that he was quoted as saying was that one of the things that was so great about 80s movies that, like, from minute to minute, you can create a movie that was both really, like, truly scary, but also, but also comedy. And mm-hmm. uh, w- with creating this new Ghostbusters movie that's going to continue the storyline, he said, like, in the mode of the 80s style, like, one, his goal is to scare children, but also entertain them and make them laugh um which i which is kind of cool if if they can really get something scary together that would be nice uh he you know an, another thing
3: uh, that's
4: interesting here also is that when he was talking to the crowd at this uh event when they were sharing this had never before seen footage uh you know he said something about doing something with this footage that i cannot talk about at this time so there's speculation that maybe they're going to somehow try and incorporate some of that footage into the new ghostbusters movie uh now also knowing that dan Aykroyd is back and bill murray is back and uh you know now sequoni weaver is back one of the things that i have not seen uh, mentioned Uh, In all of this, uh, was anything having to do with none other? No, uh, no. well, he's dead. Uh, Ernie Hudson, Winston Zedman, and uh, Jason Raymond did say and was quoted that as we got the script together, it's looking like we're good to go. He said Murray has read the script, Ackroyd has read the script, Hudson has read the script, and Weaver has read the script. Uh, So it sounds like Ernie Hudson uh, is involved, but I've seen zero information about that anyway. You're right, I haven't seen anything about him officially being on board with the cast. So, but, he, but he was quoted as, as having read the script. Uh, so that it. would lead me that would lead me to well, yeah, um, but why, why, if he's not going to be involved, would you even need to say uh, that he read the script? So while sure. there yes, has not been any announcement, I would imagine that you're not saying that publicly unless there's going to be some level of involvement. Uh, unfortunately, there also has been no talk uh, in any uh, way or anything I've seen about Louis uh, Tully, uh, as, uh, a.k.a. Rick Moranis. Uh, as I hope you all know, uh, in the mid to late 90s, Rick Moranis retired from making films. Yes, his wife got very sick and passed mm-hmm. away, and he retired from show business to raise his sons. Uh, so... Uh, with the exception of a minor public appearance in a professional capacity here and there, uh, you know, the, uh, there's nothing to indicate that he's not going to stay retired. Uh, well, he did have a cameo on the Goldbergs as Dark Helmet. Well, that's what and I mean. Like with the uh, with the occasion, like I said, like there's been a very minor appearance here and there in a professional capacity. Um, yeah. I think I think for one event he did like a you know Bob and Doug Strange thing in some event. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but he is, for all intents and purposes, retired from a professional life. So uh, we'll see what happens as that gets, gets closer to it. Uh, Ghostbusters being one of them, but for many things, I'm a big fan and have always been a big fan of Rick Moranis. Uh, yeah. I think he's very, 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 very funny uh, and plays those slubby roles that he plays so perfectly. Uh, and I hope maybe uh, there'll be some involvement from him. I, my interest actually would would raise on this project if I heard that Rick Moranis was involved. So uh, we'll keep you posted on that as time moves along. As of right now, uh, the Ghostbusters three movie is uh, supposed to start filming in July with a filming schedule of July through October, uh, with an anticipated release date of July tenth, two thousand twenty. Okay. Well,
2: oh Three month shooting schedule. It's a decent schedule. Yes, well, so, can't wait. I'm I'm excited for it. I can't wait. You know, for Ghostbusters three. You know, whether Moranis is on board or Andy Potts or even Ernie Hudson, I still think it's it's, it's going to be a fun one. It's,
4: oh, you always had to for Andy Potts. <laughs> I we'll, I love my Reddit. We'll ears. see what we'll see what happens. Uh, something else to note. Uh, maybe the ghoul will be excited about this. Uh, after what I read was a very large failure at the box office. Apparently, Amazon Studios is jumping into the Dark Tower game. Uh, Apparently, they're currently filming a pilot uh, for a Dark Tower uh, series of some sort in Croatia uh, that will debut sometime in, excuse me, 2020. And It's going to be... Uh, 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 apparently going to be a faithful retelling of the book. Uh, The only name that I recognize as being attached to this project was Michael Rooker. Uh, Mm -hmm. You might have seen him recently as Merle on The Walking Dead um, or Roddy Burns in Days of Thunder. But uh, (laughs) I I didn't recognize the name of the person playing the gunslinger. Uh, All I know is that one time the ghoul was like, Dave, you have to read these books, and, like, gave them to me, and I read the first two, and I just it just didn't didn't do it for me, and I returned all the books to him. But, uh, anyway, uh, Amazon Studios is apparently doing a faithful retelling of The Dark Tower. Uh, I don't know if that's going to lead to a whole series or whatnot, but I thought if the ghoul did not see this, it would, might be of interest to him. No, well,
1: absolutely. I mean, any news to do with anything with The Tower is, is something, so... Uh, we'll see, you know. I uh I've watched a couple episodes of Castle Rock. I've I've enjoyed what they've good. done with it. You know, but it's also not something that I get home the next day and I'm like, Oh my god, I've gotta see what's going on, you know. Like we haven't watched an episode for I don't know, a couple uh good couple of weeks easily now, you know, and uh we we've watched plenty of other things in the interim. Uh we we wanna finish it, it's just it's very, on, on to other things instead, uh, so hopefully they do a good job with this man. I don't know you know anything to do with the tower just always it bothers me at this point because I just don't think there's any way that any of them can do it
4: right well i have i will I will hope that they make a success and that you're happy I'll never you be t- happy are you trying to say something monkey you never let I'll there. never let go. No, Speak up, monkey! Anything. No, I'll keep growing them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you nope, keep making these monkey noises. Nope. nope, that's not me.
0: <laughs>
3: that is you. <laughs> all
4: right, so, all right, so what's next, Doc? So we recently, uh, right here on the Talking Sure program, we recently talked about uh, how the Are You Afraid of the Dark feature film uh, was completely scrapped from the release schedule, and then we also learned uh, that they had lost their director. Uh, so as of right now, there are, are no plans for an Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, feature film, uh, but Nickelodeon is moving forward with a Are You Afraid of the Dark revival series. Uh, Mm -hmm. That will be coming to the small screen uh, in October. Uh, As of right now, it's being billed as a limited revival series that will be delivering to you uh, three hour long episodes. Uh, No word on whether this is going to or if there is word, I did not read any word about whether. Uh, this is going to be like like a new revival, like a new cast, uh, or if there's going to be any involvement from anyone previously involved in this series. Uh, but no feature film, uh, small screen TV show.
3: Which I'm okay would, with. But it would also be cool if they could actually get the original members back of the um, club and ha- have them telling the stories as adults.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd rather see a new cast, to be honest. You know, I mean, they, they did their thing already back in the 90s, and they had a revival back in the 90s. They've already heard of the Dark. They did it a second time.
1: Well, this is a
4: revival yeah, of was... the revival.
2: Yeah. So, the, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> it's a revival of the revival.
1: Because they had to like the about the revivalists. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 just a quick thing to, to, to put in on this. Nothing to do with what you guys are talking about. But uh, back oh, on the Dark Tower thing, King, you'll actually recognize the actor... Who they are trying to task as playing Roland. Uh, he is oh, is he going to be in the new Candyman Sam, movie? Sam Strike,
0: who okay. was I'm the missing.
1: actor that portrayed Jedediah Sawyer, or otherwise known as Leatherface, in the Leatherface movie.
2: Which one? The latest 2017 one. 2017 Leatherface?
1: 2017 Leatherface. That's
2: okay, so that's Sam Strike. Okay, yes, I do recognize him. That's the horrible movie, but... <laughs>
1: Uh yeah. That is He's who they're going good. to test to play the gunslinger. Well put it this He wasn't way, bad though. in I mean, the movie. Yeah. He wasn't bad. No, but you know, know face what face he looks, face looks face. like. Yes. And the yes. gunslinger character is pretty much, you know, Stephen King has said, the guy is based on Clint Eastwood. Yes. So you
0: know, although I did that, like Elba
1: Yes, I, I, I enjoyed to, Idris Elba as, as well but you know like <laughs> Idris Elba looked nothing like what the guy was supposed to look oh, yeah. like and it's <laughs> like how many how many other actors can we come up with that do not portray the character as per design
2: yeah I agree I mean with I didn't have a Tom problem Cruise. with it because I, I, you know, I wasn't as a big of a fan of the series as you were but I did like uh, Idris Elba I didn't like Matthew McConaughey in the movie even though I like him in everything, I just thought he was the, you know, I don't know. I thought he could have
4: done so much more with the main
2: and black character than he did. Mm-hmm. Have Me. you ever
4: seen How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? I have. <laughs> I have. I have you know. He was I just so delightful in that. Yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> really I might
1: actually, movie. You know what? I, I haven't seen that movie, but I might actually own it because it might have come with, like, one of the best of 2000 bundles that I bought, like, when I got the digital shit.
2: Although I do prefer Ghosts of Girlfriends Past with uh, McConaughey, I'm picking his uh, romantic movies. That movie is just so fucking cheesy. It's just What about Sahara? So
0: <laughs> I like all, I right, all right, all right,
4: all right. Oh, he was so good in that movie.
0: <laughs> so
4: just talking about that was all I had on the dark, ta- on the, not the dark, the afraid of the dark thing. But you brought up that 2017 Leatherface and. Uh, you know, right up front, like, I never saw it. Like, I, I watched the trailers, and the trailers, you know, showed me enough to know that I was never going to watch that movie. And if mm-hmm. I never hated this on the show, and I and I might have said this on the show before. Guess I, what next month's movie is, boys. So, <laughs> the Leatherface 2017. Look, if I have to watch it for the show, I'll watch it for the show, but I'm not going to sit down and watch it for my own personal uh, enjoyment. Uh, but I will watch it for the show as a, as a dedicated mm. – uh, Voice in the in the universe yeah. of talking terror, uh, but anyway, because we're professionals, uh, damn it. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> could they have come up with like a you know, considering everything known about Leatherface through all of the retellings and tellings and sequels and stories of the Sawyer family clan, could they have come up with like a more absurdly on-the-nose, unoriginal, uncreative, stereotypical name for Leatherface than Jedediah? Well, his
2: actual name in the original series is Bubba,
4: so talk about that. (laughs) I just... I feel like modern-day writers sitting around with this property going, oh, what are we going to name Leatherface? Like... I, I don't know. When I heard that, like I, I, I rolled so hard. I just, mm-hmm. I just feel like, did you, did you put any thought into this whatsoever? Yeah, because
2: Jedediah comes from Texas Chainsaw 3D, but his name was Bubba in Texas Chainsaw 2, and 3, and 4. So, talk about a stereotypical name for a character for Weatherface, Bubba Sawyer. Yeah. yeah, you know,
3: can't be any worse than do your thing, cause. <laughs> oh
2: God, that that destroyed the movie. Like it's not that good of a movie to begin with, but that line killed it.
1: Like I enjoyed I, that I movie, fucking hate man. That. And she's attractive. I like it. So but I'll take it. That, and Jedediah is, is a biblical name. It's part it is, of the Hebrew Bible. So I mean, to, to sit there and say it's such a stereotypical name, like you know what? I mean, you're relating it to what country bumpkins? Is that what you're trying to say? I mean, again, this is backwards. A a a, a Biblical name, like big time. This is in the Book of Solomon, man.
0: I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, 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 but in the context of
2: like backwoods people, yeah, Jedediah is kind of one of those. Yeah, could you think of a better name? But what else is they going to fucking name him? Jack, Peter. <laughs> Well, I Jackson, know. actually,
1: don't know Didn't they name him, Jack- isn't his regular name Jackson in the Leatherface film?
0: The oh, don't, Jackson yeah, well, Sawyer? spoilers Yeah well, uh, mm. you know,
1: well, you know, that's it, you guys are fucked Spoiled It's a bad spoiled. spoiler no, but... It's a 2017 <laughs> fucking movie, okay If you didn't watch it two years ago,
0: you deserve it to be spoiled
2: I did watch it And I, oh, man That fucking movie Like, I <laughs> it, was, just watch it. it had so much it. potential To be fucking great And the direction they went in with who Weatherface is, it was such a fucking bullshit moment. Where it's like, that's fucking Weatherface? That guy is a fucking really good-looking guy? He's going to be fucking sort of that? No. No, fuck you, movie. Fuck you. That's... (laughs) He's going to gain 200 pounds and be a fucking hulking mess?
1: Okay. Yes, of course. Because it's depression and all the problems that he has with his cross-dressing, you know, issues. It was the
2: I, first the I, just, I wanted to fucking throw out the window. Like, I couldn't no. believe it.
1: Uh,
0: there he well, is. It's he, he's, he's back. It's it's was, it's was a Bible. I
4: never went. No, I'm not religious. I'm a Jewish. <laughs> yeah, well, it comes from your Bible. <laughs> we don't have a Bible. We have a Torah.
1: Okay, well, it, it, comes, it comes from your Torah. Your Torah. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, but, I don't know, I'm really protective of Leatherface, so the fact that they went in that direction sucked. So,
0: yeah, if we cover
2: on the show, it's going He loves fun. him some Jedediah. I love my Leatherface. big couple old, couple old lovable brute with this thing. <laughs> uh, the Saw is family, <laughs>
1: you know. Sure. Now, you know, while while we're on the subject of the Saw being family and all this stuff, you know, this... this you know me and my wonderful segways. Um, <laughs> earlier today, on, on on well no no this has got nothing to do with the movie for tonight either. You know earlier tonight we were discussing on our our little Facebook chat thing. You know the 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 object of blumpkins, um, mm-hmm.
0: oh, I it was. which
1: which for the, for the uninformed out there a blumpkin, you know is when you are getting oral sex on your penis while at the same time. Streeting from your rectum You know I I Personally like I said I've never I've never experienced A Blumpkin Um, But King You said that you know you you almost did The one time you just couldn't do it Yeah what's up with that Now now, I mean here's the one thing though like out of all of us here, I mean, you know, could any of, of you guys actually go through with it? I don't know if I no, would be able to, like, maintain an nope. erection while shitting nope. at the same time. That's <laughs> why I
0: didn't go
3: through.
2: I couldn't do it. <laughs> no. Nope. It was too weird. I just let well, someone do it.
3: So, what, was this guy asking you to do this?
2: Yeah, there was two gentlemen, and they were both asking me to do it. And I was like, Rico, Paco, take it easy, all right? Like, you know, one of you is going to get the opportunity. Oh, that
4: wicked, wicked monkey.
2: (laughs) I was like, I have to choose between these two dudes. Who has the better pack? I was like, you know. But, yeah, no. Yeah, I was 17, and I was with a girl that was very explorative with sexuality, and she wanted to try it, and I just couldn't do it. (laughs) That's just... Too fucking embarrassed, and I was like, nope, can't go through with it. Couldn't maintain, so didn't go through. Yeah.
0: Was her no. penis? <laughs> <laughs>
2: it was too small. That was the problem. I just I didn't like
3: the size. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this can't peg me. What the fuck am I going to do with this? <laughs> me, I sure as fuck can't do it, man. I can't even pee in front of my wife. So, yeah, something like that was never, ever going to happen.
1: That I've got no problem doing.
3: (laughs) I know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Monkey, stop being so chaste. You've been married, (laughs) so I can just take a piss in front of her. You're waiting for it.
0: Nope. Nope. He's
2: bashful,
1: (laughs) he gets stage fright. I mean, you know, listen, we, we're, we've all been there before. I mean, you go into the stall in the men's room, and, and you're ready to unleash your, your, your stuff, and then somebody comes in and goes right into the stall next to you, even though there's like five empty ones to your other side.
4: <laughs> yeah, there's total, there's rules about that, man, especially with the urinals. Total well, etiquette for that, that, man. <laughs>
3: And there's nothing worse than, like, they when they come and stand next to you, then they sit there and spread their feet wide on under your side of the wall. It's like, motherfucker, that's my fucking space. That's just tap their foot. <laughs> and you just say, uh, hey, no, Sam, what, what, what's going <laughs> on?
1: Okay. I was going to say, dude, that's like secret code and shit. You do something like that, man. The next thing you know, the guy's reaching over, he's trying to give you a handy, you know, and just trying to get you, you your fucking sack drained. That's when you just pull there's back. back oh, you have to go different. to his house
2: for Christmas? The whole you thing. pull back a
1: little bit and you trickle on their foot. That's what you do in that situation.
3: <laughs> you got to assert dominance. That's what you have to do. you, see, you, you, got, you got to pull the <laughs> alpha move. That's right. <laughs> I'm in
1: charge here. A
4: little,
1: little bit of pee-pee play, man. It
3: never
1: it what are you doing in the bathroom? There
4: sure. is so much, there's so much etiquette that's involved in, in public restroom usage. Uh, I don't even know what it is now because it's been so long that I've been there, but in Penn Station in New York City, uh, there was a rest. There's a restaurant there that at one point was a TGI Fridays, at one point it was a Hula at one point it was a Tarlio's. Uh, and it's right next to the bathrooms. And in the men's room there, along one wall from one end of the wall to the other, is just one urinal after the next. There's probably 20 urinals on the wall. Each one has that kind of little slap divider uh, in between them. And I don't remember who I was in the city with or what the purpose was, but. Coming home, looking to catch the the Last, the late train, like the 130 train The last one back to Jersey And uh, went in there to use the bathroom And there was nobody in any of the fucking urinals Like 20 of them, like I said I chose one maybe two-thirds of the way Down the wall And um, taken a leak And some fucking dude comes in and chooses the fucking one right next to me (laughs) Like who in their right fucking mind Does something like that well, listen. You know, I don't have to teach everybody,
1: but the, the etiquette goes as this: you know, you go to the farthest fucking possible urinal from yes, that guy that is open. You go to the complete other side of it, and then from there, as other people filter in, you can spread it by twos and threes
4: until you sure. have no choice <laughs> I would, when you I would have, have done. to get next
1: to somebody. That's I mean, hell! I, would I walk have into a done. bathroom that's got two urinals, and the fucking stall is open. I'm going in the stall if there's a guy in oh, yeah. the urinal. You I, have
0: to. I, I won't touch well, it. i will use my foot to lift the seat,
1: but you know, that's about it. I
0: I
3: I,
4: yeah, but, I I just finished my business and got the fucking hell out of there as fast as possible. But then we didn't get a number?
1: New York, you might have wanted to hook up with you, man. <laughs> I mean, anything
4: is possible. Yeah. Um, but I just I hit the fucking bricks. You can make it there. You
3: can make it <laughs> anywhere. Gotta
4: You know. And <laughs> then New what's
3: York. worse is when we have when us guys go to sporting events and we don't have urinals, you, you just have the trough. You know, you, you just have the giant trough.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. Man, sporting
1: uh, yeah. events are always the worst because you got so many people that are all loaded up with pee from all the booze. And I you know, know not, and there's not, that, you that fucking
4: humid the... fucking piss air. <laughs> it's, it's, it's
1: a nightmare And you know what man If I'm fucking drunk enough There's been times where it's like I've had to pee so bad And you get total stage fright all of a sudden You're fucking crammed into this fucking mass of humanity You got a bladder that's fucking pu- It's pushing on you so hard It's starting to pop out of your asshole And you know You are standing there and, like you, you do one of those where it's like Alright shit it ain't coming out So now you gotta stand there and try to pretend like you're peeing This way at least you don't seem like you're the guy That like walked up to the urinal and of that no I don't gotta piss, man, no worries.
0: You only waited in line for like yeah. ten minutes to get yeah. to the
1: fucking thing. Yeah. You, you you give it the fake you give it the fake shake, the whole nine, you know? <laughs> Wash your hands like you actually did anything but touch your dick. <laughs>
4: That's the worst, man. Or like a summer fucking show when it's super fucking hot and you go into the fucking bathroom and it's packed and it's so goddamn humid and it's just like humid, steamy piss air. Ugh.
1: Dude, that that one year, I think we was Gathering of the Vibes, man. It was fucking great. Me and Donovan are standing there waiting to get into the bathroom. We're, we're standing in there and all we hear In one of the stalls is this this little high pitched voice going, "Ah! Ah! Ah! Ah!" and we look over, and there's this guy, you know, maybe a little bit older than me, and he like looks at me and he's like, I told the kid never to hold back, you know, and like it was like a six year old, seven year old kid taking a dump, man, and it was loud as anything. Me and Dee were freaking cracking up. Uh, the secret at that place in the morning to
4: have, to have clean bathrooms, especially to get the fucking demon out, was to go down to the port johns on the concert field first thing in the morning when you woke up because those things were sanitized and perfectly clean. As
1: sanitized as as, sanitized as Portage johns can get. And no, they would, fucking, you know, they would bring that fucking
4: – they would bring that – no, dude, the dude, dude. The trailer. That's right. They'd have the trailer the, thing. Yeah, they would they would hose them fucking out with the fucking disinfectant. Going in those things first thing in the morning, it was like they were brand new off the assembly line, never been used before. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know, man.
4: I, I, I've had experiences. I know there was one mowdown in particular
1: where it was the worst, I'm not man. talking about mowdown. I'm talking
4: about gathering on the Bob Concert Field Coralette the first thing in the morning. I'm
1: talking about mow down at the fucking, at the lodge bathroom, no less. Like, this is a regular bathroom, okay? I go in, and it's, like, it stinks to high hell. I go to go into the bathroom just as this other kid comes out. And I don't know what this kid, like, unleashed into the toilet bowl, but it was, like, all of this, like, white, milky shit that was in it. And it just had this smell. And this smell was so bad that I couldn't even get past it. Like, I started dry heaving in my mouth. So I was like, all right, I got to get out of here, you know, so I go, and I go over by the sink, and I'm like, "Mm -hmm." doing one of those, and I look over to my right, and there's this kid, and he's just standing there, like, looking at me, you know, like, and he's got, like, this almost simplistic look on his face,
0: so I'm like, oh, now I
1: feel bad, you know, he's probably, like, thinking, what the fuck's wrong with this guy, you know? So fast forward, okay, hours later, hours later, me and Larry are standing on the fucking food line, okay, to get like a, a burrito or a fucking press sandwich or whatever the hell it was. And the fucking lady's like, oh, okay, Star, do me a favor. Take over the uh, over the grill. And I look, and there's the kid, okay, who was in the fucking stall, who left that milky white substance that stank so bad, ready to cook my fucking food, okay? So I fucking, he cooked it, I paid for it, and I threw it right the fuck in the garbage can. because every damn different shit. The idea of that smell that same day just made me start gagging in my mouth, so there was no way I was eating that fucking food.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> ah. All right.
2: so anyway moving yeah. from bathrooms to wrapping up with our news uh, what else do you have
4: before we get into the movie tonight doc the uh, So game? we've talked <laughs> yeah oh that's so exciting uh we talked <laughs> about the uh, 13 fanboy the 13 fanboy uh Friday the 13th fan movie um they apparently have completed, have all of the funding they need that they raised through their Indiegogo uh, campaign. And uh-huh. uh, following, following the news this week that Laura Park Lincoln uh, is going to be returning uh, to the fold. Her, as, as uh, you know, she was Tina Shepard in the, in the New Blood, that's telekinesis Tina uh, from the New Blood. Uh, in addition to that, the news that I was reading today is that Adrian King has also been added to the cast Mm-hmm. Um, that she they've been trying to get her for a while, but and I think I I can't remember if I was aware of this or not, but apparently, uh, being that this movie involves uh someone who is stalking and killing the performers in the Friday the Thirteenth series, Adrian mm-hmm. King in real life in real life had a serious serious stalker problem due to her involvement in Friday the Thirteenth, which uh you know had her very, very reluctant to take part in this movie, but uh whatever she needed to do, she did, and she has signed on, and, and she will be part of this as well.
2: the same stuff. That's why, you know, she had that limited role in Friday 13th Part 2 was because of that stalker. So she wanted to just have a quick cameo, have a kill, beginning, and then just kind of get off the set. And go back to her life. Uh, I've met her in person, and she's a fantastic person. So I'm looking forward to seeing what role she'll play in uh, 13 Fanboy, which is also directed by Deborah Voorhees with the great rap from Friday 13th, part five. I didn't know that. Beautiful boobs. Great boobs. Great
4: boobs, dude. Uh huh. Just fantastic. (laughs) All right. So do you have
2: anything else, Doc?
4: I do. So The maybe the movie, as far as uh, movies that are on the horizon, uh, the mm-hmm. one that's at the top of my list on the excitement meter, obviously is the Rambo Last Blood movie, which is coming in September. Uh, I've made no secret of my affection for that series and my affection for this upcoming sequel, and I have such high hopes for it. Uh, mm-hmm. So the first, and, and I know we talked about it, but a few weeks ago, the first trailer came out, but I don't know if any of you guys have been aware of all of these crazy uh, last Blood mashup trailers that have been coming out the last uh, several days. Uh, have any of you guys seen any of these? Oh, Why no. don't you share them to the message so we all could have watched them? Uh, well, them. I how, about, them. Uh, how about
1: when somebody posted in the message group before, hey, is there anything that we should check out? <laughs> and, up there was news tonight. and what did you say? You were like, oh no, there's nothing.
4: No footnotes? Uh, in the spirit of honesty, that I don't, I do don't I do ha- notes. In the spirit of my honesty, in the spirit of honesty, I don't actually have that in my notes this evening. I just happened to see a link for a new one, which made me think of it. I wasn't planning on talking about this. Uh, this one is just kind of off the cuff. Uh, but the first one was a you mashup a featuring China. V- <laughs> <laughs> a Last Blood uh, mashup trailer with with Home Alone. And okay. also a last blood mashup trailer with the new, uh, with Godzilla. And also the new one, the new one was the last blood mashup trailer with the devil, with the devil's rejects the, the three from hell uh, trailer that came out. There's already a Rambo three from hell mashup. So uh, they're quite funny. And uh, if you get a chance to check those out, uh, they're, you know, they're funny. And what a teaser that three from hell trailer was. Oh, yeah. That is, it was and a that,
1: teaser and, and, and in every sense of the word, man.
2: Yeah, yeah literally, just teaser. Even Rob Zombie said, hey, guys, just a teaser. Literally, your teaser is half the trailer, being House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, and maybe 30 seconds of Three from Hell. Great fucking teaser. <laughs> you know, can't
1: wait. <laughs> Listen, and at least he's, he's not spoiling anything. I always complain <laughs> that they spoil shit in the trailer, so you know what? I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to say that it was definitely a teaser.
0: <laughs> I mean,
2: it wasn't horrible, but it was just like, dude, that's such a fucking, like, it was just the antithesis of a teaser. Like, you know, it's you know, it's just uh, a couple shots, and that's it. Like, oh, look, Captain Smalling, Baby, Otis, Richard Brake, okay, and done. Like, that's. Uh, Alright, so
1: that's what we're doing
2: I guess we have to wait for an official trailer To release at some point I
1: don't know if it would be uh, the antithesis of a teaser Because wouldn't the antithesis of a teaser Be a full trailer
2: Yeah, I meant to say definition And I went antithesis, I was trying to be smart
1: <laughs> that's, my... <laughs> you know? were you, that's what were I did Were you trying to use big words again Jedediah, that's no good
3: Damn it, I was trying Yeah <laughs> <laughs> King is so smart, S-M-A-R-T. <laughs> yeah. I mean, S-M-A-R-T. <laughs> M-O-O-N, that spells smart.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. I was, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was okay. I mean, for a teaser, I just, you know, I can't wait for the official trailer where it's an actual, let's show you some footage from Three from Hell. Um,
4: he promises it, it's coming next month.
2: Yeah, I mean, the movie itself is coming out in September. Limited theaters and video on demand in September, so it's something to look forward to. But, you know, for what Probably it was, one it was of those okay.
1: uh, Fathom events or whatever, man. Which, yeah, you know, we mm-hmm. did that with 31. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. And you're going, you're going to it yeah. with a bunch of other fans, so we'll be there.
4: Mm-hmm. All
2: right. So, do you have anything else, uh, Doc, before we get into the movie tonight?
4: I think that covers it my own.
1: Hold on. I mean, I hear fake chickens, I hear real chickens There's chickens everywhere, it's like <laughs> <up> my house
3: <laughs> my god You were in the,
1: the fireplace I, know, I, you know, I know the last thing that I did want to bring up I know on my You're end that anyway, You know, on, you know what the, there's actual <laughs> news For my stuff Is uh, I know something we chatted about Which was the, the Blair Witch game that's coming out Man, That looked pretty yeah. damn good It did,
2: it looked amazing I mean, it, there's no gameplay yeah. footage But the trailer itself will look fucking great Showing the Black Hills Forest and having it take place in 96 using a handheld camera. I was impressed. I was like, this might actually make me want to buy an Xbox One just so I could fucking play this game.
1: Mm-hmm. Monkey, did you see it?
3: Um, I did. Again, you know, great solid footage for cinema photographer shit. But again, that's the, you know, when studios give us great trailers, did you make the chickens louder just so it would drown me out when I'm trying to get my chicken <laughs> into the fucking cage? <laughs> what, do you th- what do you think?
0: My
1: chickens come with a fucking volume control, man?
3: No, you're like, what do you think, monkey? And then you rattle the fucking chicken cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, no, I'm not even buying them right now. That's actually, those are not my chickens.
3: I can tell you right now, those are not <laughs> my, my chickens. <laughs> But yeah, great great cut shots, but again, reluctant to show actual game footage, so it makes me hesitant. That's it. Yeah,
2: the elements are cool. The fact that you have a dog as a companion in the game, the fact that he uses a flashlight, the fact that he uses the, ca- the, the camera. I think it could be a fun game. Um, I'm, just, I'm hoping you see some gameplay footage. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Seeing what you can do in the game as this character of Ennis um, searching through the Black Hills Forest for this missing person. Um, I'm I'm
1: thinking we're probably looking at gameplay similar to like The Last of Us, um, other more recent survival Mm -hmm. horror type of games. I know that game. (laughs) <laughs> the Resident Evil games that have been out recently, not the not the older ones with the tank style yeah. control, but the the newer the newer variations, but probably with less weaponry. Um, getting it back to survival horror, which is what those Resident Evil games were originally, which was was part of their fun was the fact that you know it wasn't so much about killing shit, as it was like crap man, how do I survive and get
3: the hell out of this house?
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. and that that has been the new wave of the way horror games have been going is. Not going around and killing everything, but just trying to make it through, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know that's I, yeah. sh- I I think that's a conversation for another time because if you're trying to sit there and make it through, I think Google has an awesome segue coming up.
1: Well, I was gonna say making it through, making it through, was something that a lot of the ladies couldn't do in this week's pick, Tenebrae. Nope,
2: they <laughs> couldn't. Tenebrae, 1982, directed mm-hmm. by Dario Argento. All right, Gould, cool. this is your pick, uh, so kick it off.
1: Dario Argento made another gialli about very attractive women getting killed by, by somebody, and then somebody else ends up killing that person and continues on the killing until it turns out to show us who it is.
4: It's it's, it's a gialli
1: mm-hmm. film, a giallo film, you know, that means yellow, but it's really a murder
3: mystery.
4: A gialli? It's a jolly old film, you know? Um, <laughs> it's jolly, which is yellow in <laughs> Italian. He's correct.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's a jolly jello. <laughs> it's,
1: it's a jolly jello. What? Um, oh, yeah. Again, Argento's got those few films out there that are, you know, all well-known. It's happening on Shudder. It's one of the names that I've known. These are films that I've... um, Like Doc always says, you know, he has a list of films that he just kind of plucks out whatever, you know, retarded Japanese films he wants to watch at any given moment. Mine tend to be like classic films from the past that... In, I don't know, seem to have like a, a bigger cult following or a well-known mm-hmm. artistic integrity and I just pulled this mm. one out of my ass because I couldn't think of anything faster
4: last week. No, no.
2: Disappointing. <laughs> All right.
4: I'm glad, glad <laughs> that you're so preparing so strongly for our mm. our program.
2: Yeah, I, yes, I was indeed. hoping for a better
4: uh, better
2: explanation, but that's <laughs> okay. Um, of,
1: of what? Tenebrae? I mean... I can give you a synopsis. Is that what you wanted? Do you want a full-on synopsis? No.
2: I, you know, I, I, you know, it's just difficult for me because I'm such a huge fan of this movie. So I was kind of hoping you were like, you know what? It's Dario. I wanted to explore it, you know, and see what it's about. And, you know, it's just like, ah, I pulled it out of my ass. It's like, ah, all right. <laughs> you know, kind of defeated. No, dude, I, yeah.
1: I mean, that's – That's my way of saying that I wanted to explore it, if if that makes you feel any better. I mean, things that come out of my head, that's what I want to explore. I Um, put
4: so much thought into my pen sure. Um, yeah. No, so,
3: but uh, the the but the goal is being honest. It's like he wanted to explore stuff coming no, out. No, I'm like a, know. Like a fra- no, like a fresh pumpkin. So let's get into this.
4: All right. All right. So oh. Doc, what you think about Tenebrae? <laughs> I mean, so. There was a period in time, as you know, we've talked about whenever we get into one of these movies, one of, from you know this particular era, uh, where I was really getting into this stuff and really exploring this stuff and digging it and everything. But for me personally, as a film watching person, uh, the time for me to watch these movies uh, has kind of come and gone. Um, mm. You know, while there were things here that that I did enjoy. Uh, you know, something that plagues a lot of movies from this era, regardless of who's behind uh, the camera and who's creating the story, uh, is pacing. Uh, and I feel that this is one that that suffers from, from the pacing. Um, you know, there are some things that I enjoyed. I totally, totally dig the score. Um, you know, there's records that I listen to with a similar uh, – vibe to it. I've already explored a ordering a vinyl record of the soundtrack. Uh, there were things <laughs> in the score that I really liked. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, so there were some things that were enjoyable here, uh, but we'll get into the, into the nitty-gritty as our, as our discussion unfolds. Okay. Monkey, what would you think about Tenebrae?
3: Yeah, for me, this movie was of uh, the Argento stuff that I've seen so far. i got to say, I think this was the best well-put-together Argento movie I've seen. Um, I, I d- don't necessarily agree with the doc here about the pacing. I I thought the pacing was decent. I I thought the story was solid. The casting was excellent. Like, um, you know, and on top of that, I the version I got was a really really good cleaned up version of for Blu-ray, and they did a phenomenal job of cleaning this motherfucker up. Um, oh yeah, and yeah. And it's just I was really, really impressed by the cleanup job they did. And, yeah, from beginning to end, I had a really good time watching this movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, yeah, uh,
2: for me, I had seen this movie when I was in high school because of IFC. And I know that the Doc and I have talked on air about how IFC's programming has changed drastically uh, over the past couple of years. So drastic. Um, but back in October, back when I
4: was in high school, they used to play Yesterday a lot of- Yesterday they showed National Treasure 2 Book of <laughs> Secrets. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Fuck's
1: sake. And,
4: uh, <clears throat> But back when I was in high school, this is
2: the early 2000s, they were playing a lot of unknown horror films in October for their programming. And Teterbray was one of them. And the trailer they showed you before the movie was of Eva Robbins on the beach with a bunch of dudes- and she was ready to get down with him, And then all of a sudden, a guy slaps her. They drag this guy off, and she starts shoving her heel down his throat. And they're like, 10 o'clock. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I have to see this. Like, yeah, just, it was such a bizarre sequence that I needed to explore this movie. And I watched it, and it became one of my favorite Argento films. It's top three, um, along with uh, Cat on Ninetales, uh, Bird of the Crystal Plumage, um, Four Flies in Grey Velvet, which is one of my favorite Argento Giallo films, but Tenebrae is right up there. I think it's one of his best uh, because of the score by Pignetti, Marante, Semenetti. I know that Doc had brought the score up because they were former members of Goblin. They had worked with him since 75 when he did Deep Red. So that score is in there. That opening Tenebrae score, it's a a score that you can hear in a club because of how driving it is (laughs) and how much they use it in such great ways in the movie. Um... And it's the usage of the black gloves for the murders. Every black glove kill that you see in the movie is Dario. He had to be the killer. Every kill that he does in the movie is Dario. He didn't want anybody else but him to put on the black gloves and kill these beautiful Italian actresses. He had to do it because it was his way of doing it right. In just this movie? In all of his movies. In all of his yellow films, he was the killer. Really?
4: He was the
2: one wearing the gloves because he felt like nobody could do it better than him, and that's why he wanted to do it. And that's why I love this movie because this movie is him basically telling the critics to fuck off with their opinions because they all said that Dario was this dark, misogynistic, violent, artistic filmmaker, and he made Tenebrae as kind of a response to that, saying, well, what if I was? You know, Maybe I am. You don't know. I could be, um, but it was also done in response to a stalker that he had in California. Uh, after Suspiria was released in 77, he had a stalker call him and basically start off friendly but then became violent and started threatening his life, and he got scared from that. And the, the, the storyline of Tenebrae grew from that, and you could see it in okay, his movie.
3: Okay, but could, could you please expand on that because you, what you told me last night, I would like you to keep telling the story because I thought it was really fucked up. Well, he was in
2: Beverly Hills, and he was doing promotion for Suspiria, and he had a fan that found his number where he was staying in the hotel, and it started as a friendly conversation of, I love your work. I think you're fantastic, and it was just very kind of friendly, but then the call started becoming more violent where he said, because of what you've done, I feel like I have to kill you because of all these films, your violence has driven me to want to kill you as an expression of your art. So Dario kind of saying, well, that scares me. I have to leave. And he went to a different place in California. And in the hotel, there was a shooting outside of the hotel as well as on the inside. And he said, well, violence is something that's kind of obscure to me, like the fact that somebody could just kill because they want to kill. It was kind of beyond him. He didn't understand it. So to make a movie like Tenebrae is that you have a killer – that has his own motives, but he's killing because he wants to kill. He has his propulsion. He doesn't understand how somebody could just want to kill. You know what drives somebody to murder, and I think right. it plays out throughout the movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay.
3: Cool. Now, yeah. So, moving on, we've got this movie that. Uh, let's see here. This was released in 1980s. Oh uh, no, 1982, right? And 1982, the, and, correct. Yeah, and this was all shot in 1980, I believe. Yes, in New, New York City and Rome. Yeah. Rome. Yep. yeah, which just from the opening shots, I fucking loved. Um, this is, yeah. uh, Wake up. Doc, doc, put your cock away. Um, but the opening shots, I really enjoyed. <laughs> I, 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 lo- I love the way that they were just shot. Um, really enjoying what Argento is just doing with the camera and the way he's choosing his shots.
2: Yeah. He was with uh, Luciano Tavoli, That was his DP on the film who also worked with him on Suspiria, but he also worked a lot with Michelangelo Antonioni who did a great film in 1975 called The Passenger, which is where a lot of these shots were taken from. Argento wanted The Passenger for a lot of these shots. So, there's that really kind of meaningless panning shot that he does in the movie when you get to the apartment of Tilda and Marion, the lesbian couple. There's no yeah. reason for that mm-hmm. shot to be in the movie. He just wanted to do a shot that was like Antonioni. He wanted to kind of be on
4: that level. And are you talking the about shot this tracking kind of shot where the camera where the camera uh, pulled back out of the window, slowly made its way up yes. the house, and then into the upper window? Yeah, that yes, was a cool shot. And what I was shot. talking. When I was talking about the soundtrack before, that's one of the instances where the soundtrack really had my ears standing up and it was watching that scene when I started pulling up where I could order a record of the soundtrack from. It, it's fantastic. Okay. It, it's probably
2: one of my favorite scores by the trio of Simonetti, Pignetti, and Morante. Mm. Um, aside from Deep Red, which mm. is fantastic. And I recommend that. If you like this mm. score, Doc, check out the Deep Red score. I think you're going to love it even more. Um, But going with the movie, you have Peter Neal, who wrote the book Tenebrae, which is being described as this very kind of violent, misogynistic book, um, talking about the perversity of violence. And he's on this tour in Rome, um, joined by his uh, publicist, played by John Saxon, who we just mentioned two weeks ago with (laughs) (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street.
3: He's playing Gary,
2: and he's fantastic. He's so much
3: fun in this movie. I, I really enjoyed him in this movie. I thought he was just fun as hell. Just It was great to see him just be cheeky and cocky, you know, and I've never seen him do a role like this before. You know, I've only seen him do right. or ser- serious shit like he did, you know, in Halloween, you know, and it was great to see him just Halloween. being this ad man. Halloween. I, uh, Halloween. Nightmare. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, ni- sorry, sorry, nightmare. Sorry, sorry. Party foul. No, yeah.
1: I felt like he played I, I a lighter did. character role in End of the yeah. Dragon. You know, he was somewhat mm-hmm. he comedic did. in that as well.
0: Um, yeah, yeah I, was, I, I, was
1: ple- I was pleased to see his name in the credits. I was surprised, actually. I had no idea he was in the movie at all.
0: Um, yeah, so so seeing I... it in there, I was like, oh, yeah,
1: look at that.
2: Oh, he did <laughs> a lot of Italian work back in the 70s for uh, Umberto Lenzi and Lamberto Bava. So he was a staple for Italian cinema. So for him to work with Argento, it kind of made sense. Um, but him playing this character of the kind of tell me something nice about me, like, you know, just this sleazy kind of publicist. It worked in so many ways.
0: Um, any other kind while, of publicist? <laughs>
2: yeah, but in Rome, uh, you have the kill of the book thief, which is you played do, by India Peroni. In- who I love Ania Peroni so much, and I wish I had seen more of her stuff. Uh, the only two movies that I had ever seen her in was Dario Argento's 1980 film Inferno, where she played Madder and also in House by the Cemetery, which was a Lucio Fulci film, where she played a babysitter. It was just her eyes. And Dario, he loves eyes like Fulci, but he doesn't want to stab him out like Fulci. He wants to showcase them. <laughs> so you're kind of entra- entranced by these actresses. And I thought that her character, of Elsa, being the book thief, and you have the, the store security guy saying, well, I saw that you stole that book. She's like,
4: oh, come sure, on, come
0: shit,
4: on. Give me your shit address. That really so fucking
1: hot, dude. It's not even yep. funny, man.
4: That's not even your style, man, at all. I'm surprised to hear you say are that.
1: You... Which one? The one that was trying to steal the book, dude? Yeah. Oh, that's totally you, my type. Are you out of
4: your mind? No, usually li- I you like her. Like her.
1: Cool. her and Marion, man, the uh, the one that was the girl's girlfriend. Um, yeah, that's Marilla uh, Bonte. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. She too. She was. She was really hot.
2: Yeah, Marilla oh, Bonte oh, yeah. is her name. Uh-huh. She's fantastic. But, but with Elsa, you have her getting released by the cop because she's like, "What are you gay? Give me your address." And he's like, "Okay, well, Honest. I guess I'll see you later." She goes home and almost gets killed by a homeless man that just desperately wants to accost her. And when she makes it home, I love this set piece because you have the homeless man spying on her in the window. She gets afraid, and all of a sudden the black glove comes in the frame, grabs her, and starts shoving book pages into her mouth with you know, a switchblade into her neck. Like, it's such a great piece because you see her eyes the entire time. You see the pieces get shoved into her mouth, and then her throat is slashed.
4: Like, it's many great pages. So many pages were shoved in your mouth. But it's a great way to kind of show you the
2: viciousness of this killer. Like he just...
4: just stop of all being shoved it. in her mouth, man. No, I was just thinking, like, how did all them pages... Where did they go? <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how could
1: somebody do that to a book? <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: But it's great because one of the pages falls out, you know, as she gets killed. So it's like, well, you couldn't fit all those in her mouth. <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> it's a, a vicious kill, but it works um, on a lot of levels. Right. Um, but and,
1: and, I, and this, and, I unlike and this, the doctor, oh, I do enjoy the pacing of this movie. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, I felt like uh, I don't know. It feels feel like there's at least a kill or something going on.
0: It almost felt like
1: a porn. You know what I mean? You were always yeah. within like an 8 to 11 minute period where, you know, something had to happen. Either somebody's got to die or you're seeing somebody's boobs. Um,
0: so, so that was good. Uh,
1: honestly, I mean, you know, for all jokes or all my, my bland description aside, I do have to say this probably may be my favorite Argento film just because it is overall a coherent story. Um, it is. Yeah. And, yep. and yeah. It's got the attractive women and it's got the deaths. I feel like the deaths that happen later in the film are so much more over the top that if they were the same if they had that kind of killings going on throughout the whole movie, this would have been a perfect film for me.
4: Yeah, was, maybe yeah. so. And I disagree though with what yeah. you're saying though. Like aside from uh the book thief who's killed uh somewhere around the like the 10 like the 10ish minute mark, uh
3: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the
4: next I don't count, like, yes, there's the scene on the beach with the oral shoe and everything, and you just see some boobs there, but there's not another kill until uh, almost the 37-minute mark. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's quite some time, you know, before having another kill.
2: Well, and it's also, it's a showcase piece, though, you know, the, the next kills that happen. Um, but also, the beach scene, I'm glad that you brought that up, because it's, it's a highlighted scene because it, it gives into the killer's psyche, of what you find out later in the film, about what kind of drove this person to become the killer that he became. Uh, but that uh, actress is Eva Robbins, who is actually a transgender actress who was born Roberto uh, Coati, Hello. Decided to Hello. Decided to take some pills and become a female. But it's a great trick because it, it's a beautiful woman. But Argento decided to use her, knowing full well that it was a transgender actress, but it works in the film, and he doesn't exploit it at all. He doesn't wow. exploit it, you know. Yeah.
1: So. I'll tell you what, man. Mm-hmm. I thought she was pretty hot. Um, the cool girl didn't watch this movie with me, but she had actually walked in during one of the scenes
0: mm-hmm. that she
1: was on the beach, and she had looked up, and she's like, wow, she's a very pretty girl. Like, I had no idea that was a dude
2: at yeah. all. No, it was not used think, for exploitation have, purposes. Yeah.
1: Even knowing it's a dude, I'd still tap it, man. She's hot.
2: Yeah. yeah not used for exploitation me, purposes. It wasn't like there was a reveal.
1: Let me take that back. As long as the twig and berries ain't still in place, I would tap it. Mm-hmm. Well,
4: they are. Yeah, I'm yeah. back. I'm, I I. just pulled yeah. the movie back up, and I'm looking now, and that, now that I look, you can totally see that it's a dude. Yeah, Eva Robinson <laughs> did not have uh, a match. Surely you are already right. jerked yeah. off do it, man. But you have, but
2: that whole flashback is accentuated because it's the killer that you see taking these pills, or who you think might be the killer. Uh, you always see him in the shadow and having these violent flashbacks of what happened, having the, the red heeled shoes shoved into his mouth, being humiliated. Um, so you think this is what drives the killer to do what he does. You don't really know yet who's the killer, you know, there is no kind of repairing yet.
3: And and this dream sequence thing has been used over and over and over in other movies, but it yeah. also, and in, in my opinion, insults the viewer because they show you one piece of the dream and then they show you another longer piece of the dream of what you just watched and then another longer piece of the dream of all the shit that you watched right before this. You know, like like you didn't yeah. see this fucking shit ten minutes ago. I like how he, he didn't do that. It's all one continuous dream, but he's showing us bits and pieces. Of it, he's not re showing it and burning up film film time. To no,
2: no, he's going to show you that initial dream and then the, the next one of her being violently
0: stabbed.
2: You know, that that's yeah. the whole thing. Like, you know, it's two continuous different dreams. Um, but like the doc was saying about the next death, uh, with that tracking shot, you have Tilda, who was a reporter who interviewed Peter Neal, and she says, Your book is misogynistic, it's violent, it's just not good for women. And he says, well, I don't feel that way at all. Like, I think it's, it's a book that I wrote. Yes, it's violent. But him trying to explain it to her, and she's just not having any of it. And then you find out that she's in a romantic relationship with Marion, played by Marilla Bonte, who is a thick, very curvy, very beautiful Italian actress who wants to John, fuck yeah. dudes. <laughs> just wants to take dudes home and then brag about it, about how great of a lover this guy was.
3: She's, she's, <laughs> you know she's ACDC all the way. <laughs>
1: well, I mean look, you know, she she wants a little bit of poll. Um, she wants a good time. You know, there are some things that, you know physically okay. I know in this day and age which strap ons and all kinds of fucking interesting toys and pile driver things, I mean shit. They put dildos yeah. on the of fucking saws these days. So I, yeah, I know that do. there's all kinds of ex- exciting stuff that can be done with that. But you know, I have a relative who uh you know, we were out with her and her significant other. And, you know, her exact words at one point to me were like, Listen, you know,
0: Keith
1: every now and again, you know, we do like a little dick. It's not like, you know, all we want to do is rub donuts and do this and do that. Like every now and again right. they want a, they want a bone, man. They they do want a you know, a, a, a physical throbbing veiny penis up and in their shit, and I never took these chicks as straight up lesbians, I took it as if they were in a relationship, but I definitely read it more Mm -hmm. as it was a bisexual relationship on the one girl's end, and the other girl's too, I didn't feel like she was 100% committed to being a lesbian, I just feel like she was kind of like in this particular instance, she was Mm -hmm. being committed Mm -hmm. to that person Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: but but also, in this in, in this scene, though, Marion just took the dude home. She literally just got out of the shower, and then she's immediately calling Tilda up going, hey, how about you come get some of this shit? Even though it was just brand-new mm-hmm. full of cock, how, how, yeah. how about yeah. you come yep. down and eat this? Call number it, three. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Like, <laughs> and to
1: go she, with what Jock had said about the school, She wanted her to snowball, yeah. but out of the <laughs> other mouth.
2: I'm sure. Um, And that could have been it, too. But the way she's presented, wearing the sheet, you know, showing off one bare breast, showing off the leg. Um, But what the doctor saying about the score? I love the usage of the main theme in this scene because it plays out where you think it's just a score, but it's actually Marion playing the record of the score (laughs) in her room. And you have to saying, can you fucking turn it down?
1: really cool fight now you know what though man the music this like you were talking earlier about that other scene that was playing the, the during the soundtrack and whatnot this particular yeah. part of it actually got my attention there was something about no, this the way the this is the part music that i sounded. said
4: got my got my attention oh, okay. this, I, it was during the, the, this sequence that i looked up buying the record
1: yeah I, it's I so well done I did not see. do that but yeah this actually did make me consider looking up to see like if this was available because it wasn't interesting mm-hmm. sound. It sounded like something that I would hear in like a fucking Humphrey
0: show or something man. hmm
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. just the way that it's used in the sequence and I love when Tilda yeah. is trying to put on the shirt and the killer comes up from behind her and slashes the center of her white shirt to expose mm-hmm. her face and immediately gets slashed. It's such a great moment and it's such a great skill shot for the film. Having her just surprised by this killer and immediately killed, which leads to Marion and and the chase Mm. sequence through the house, where the classic Dario shot of a female crashing through a window, that is a trademark that he uses in almost every one of his films. A beautiful woman crashing through a window as her throat is slit. It's a great shot. It made the cover of the fucking movie. That's how much he loved that shot. But it's just a beautiful way that he does death. Like, he shoots death beautifully in all of his films. Like, there is a beauty and there is an art to the way that he kills people.
0: Mm.
3: And that's why I've always loved Argento. And you said, like, Fulci was all about doing the eye shots, while Argento is all about doing panes of glass for death, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Fulci was all about eye shots. Mm. He just
2: wanted to show Mm. eyes being penetrated because he just was fascinated by that. Argento wanted to do it in a beautiful way. That's the rarely
1: used holes, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um,
2: But after those deaths, we also get introduced to Cristiano Berti, who is a conservative TV show host uh, that interviews Peter (laughs) Neal beforehand before he goes on TV. And they have this exchange where he's talking about how much he loves the book. Um, but also he's a catholic but he also supports abortion and, and and divorce you know so what about me what do you think about me and it's this weird kind of exchange that Bertie and neil have that kind of makes you think well maybe Bertie could be in on this because of yeah, just how insane he was towards neil
0: in his fandom
3: and he's and he's definitely taking this in another direction and he's to, you know, talking to Neil about the direction that he thought the book was going, and he's like, No, no, that, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was not meant to go and that would be conceived in that way, in any way, shape, or form. Right. <laughs> For Neil, it was a book. Like, that's all it was. It was
2: just a book, <laughs> and he wrote it, and take it however you want. He doesn't think that anybody's going to take it quite literally and use it, you know, to commit murder. You know, he just, it's a fun you book, and people should <laughs> read it. Um, and that's why I love that character of Birdie so much, because there is something to his character before you even realize what he really is. There's something sinister beneath that smile and that veneer that he gives off.
3: <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say so. It's like, you know, definitely, you know, fanatic beyond all means. You know, to, to the point where he's ta- taking the writings and turning and twisting them into something else. <laughs> right. And, um, yeah. Um, I was going to bring up Maria, who is
2: the daughter of the landlord of where Neil is staying. She's very innocent, very tactile. She's very much interested in Johnny, who is the assistant sure. of Neil and Anne during this entire thing.
0: Uh, I She's felt kind of bad for her
2: in the film because I thought like she was a victim of circumstance
0: in the film, oh, as far as her death goes.
2: Um, oh, being attacked by a dog for like a good solid five minutes of film.
3: Not, um, not just Doberman. Seven. That was Seven. That was a. That, 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 was a okay. fu- that was a fucking parkour, like you know, ninja warrior fucking dog. Like. <laughs> yeah. just, <laughs> when that dog
1: went over the bigger fence, like seriously, like when it <laughs> stopped there, I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, oh, dog, gets it. away. I go, It makes I go, it makes sense. The dog's not gonna go over. You know, and then all of a sudden you see him kinda like go by it, then he runs back and then goes over that damn thing. I was like, Holy fuck look at you go. Yeah. You know, unfortunately though, that scene I know I know He say she's a victim of circumstance you know, in this in this specific scene. I feel like out of the entire Thank film you it's always about the saint and the lost sailor. Um, But... I felt like all of this was too random. Everything else in the film kind of felt like yeah. it was ti- mm-hmm. if not tightly woven, but at least threaded together. This, she happens to get off the motorcycle at a spot. She's a real shit to the dog. I don't blame the fucking dog for going after her. It mm-hmm. barks and then she starts kicking the fucking fence like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Should have bit her on her goddamn ass. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she just so happens to to stumble upon the Apartment slash house of our killer, it mm-hmm. just felt too convenient. Yeah, that, it, that,
2: yeah, that's agree. the problem that I have with, with that kill. And I know the monkey and I talked about it last night, is because the killer has a specific reason for why he's killing the people that he kills. Maria was just kind of there at the wrong place at the wrong time, and the killer had no choice but to take her out. And that was the whole reason why she died. It wasn't because the killer wanted the killer. It was because she discovered what he was trying to do, and the killer is like, "Well, fuck it, I have to kill her now, because she knows who right. I am.
0: And I have to." Take you know,
2: and the it's great because you but, have two killers. You have the dog, and you have the killer. <laughs> and, but, you know, she's going to die oh, either way.
3: But oh, man, so let her the die by is, the ax
2: wounds is, rather than the dog biting
3: her. Yeah, but when she goes upstairs and, you know, you, you got this fucking palatial mansion that's, like, so fucking, yeah. like, you know, 70s decorated. I fucking loved the architecture that was shot in this film. You know, just mm-hmm. how – was beautiful. Yeah, just how very European influenced it was. It was just, you know, just from the house that was shot to the square that's later. Yeah. <laughs> I completely yeah, agree. It's just, yeah. a little It was shot. very, very uh, architecturally
2: designed. The shots that uh-huh. were used in this movie. Um, but what another thing that I wanted to add is that in Giallo films, you have the police doing their investigation, and the police <laughs> in every Giallo film.
1: Well, it is a not just
2: Argento's films, but all the yeah, other films bit. that were made by Bava, by Argento, by uh, uh, Michelangelo Antonioni. The police are kind of inept. They think they're in charge. They think they know what they're doing. But you have to have another investigation going on. So you have Peter Neal and his assistant, Anne, played by the fucking beautiful Daria Nicolati, uh, who worked on Suspiria mm. with uh, Daria in 77, doing this investigation with Gianni, trying to find out who the fucking killer is, and they're doing a better job than the cops. Because you have Detective Giarmi. <laughs> And Detective Altieri, who aren't doing their fucking job very well,
0: because Neil
2: and Gianni and Anne are already on the track of who the killer is. It's just a matter of going to where they are and finding it out. While uh, Gianni, who was the one detective, he's in the detective novels, but he never knew who the killer was. Even in Peter Neal's novels, he goes, I I never knew who the killer was. Never figured it out. But, But you're a fucking detective. Yeah, because, you know, you know the, <laughs> if they
4: if they would have had Detective Luigi Macaroni, uh, there would be no problems.
0: Yeah,
1: because he saw the killer
4: column crisis. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. funny. I couldn't look at this guy and not see the Merovingian Four. from the Matrix movies. Like, I just kept okay. to, to hear him. To keep hearing them talk about chocolate and wow, yeah, look at that number four. Holy shit, they are blowing Boston out, man. Boston is pulling yeah. up a big goose egg. Their their fucking a hole has been blown wide open. <sighs> well,
2: going from that, <laughs> but, anyway, but
1: but like yeah. I said, man, I keep I kept seeing the Merovingian. Like you know, I was I was waiting to hear him talk mm-hmm. about causality and cause and effect.
2: Uh-huh. And. <laughs> You also in this film, while the investigation's going on, who we forgot to mention, is the ex fiancee of Peter Neal, uh, Jane Carroll, played by the very oh. lovely Veronica Lario. Um, oh yeah, she shows sure. up early in the film. She fucked with his luggage, so when he gets to Rome, his watch is broken, his shit's been all fucked up. But you find out that she's in Rome too. She followed him there, and she's just kind of fucking with him, you know, driving by his place. <laughs> Kind of, you know showing up in different places, but what I thought was ingenious is that she is having an affair with Bulmer, Yes, and she, she is. is in bed with his publicist <laughs> in a very kind of torrid affair where you would think that Peter Neal probably would't give a fuck you know if they were just getting together because he's done with her anyway. but I love the fact that they added that in there as kind of an extra element as to why Peter Neal might be the killer. Mm.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, no no, no, but also mm-hmm. they they throw these elements in here, like all, you know all these red herrings, because this movie is also written well enough to where, <laughs> unlike other Jell-O movies that you know we've covered, this one actually is a really well written whodunit to yes. where everyone everyone is a suspect. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm yeah, I don't
1: know to, if I, I would, would say, go that <laughs> far, man. I it's think the a creepy it's reporter, The creepy reporter guy is way obvious. You know, he's yeah. way obvious yep. from the start, <clears throat> yeah. you know, so, so the, when they, they switch it up midway through the film to where he gets killed, that's when I felt like, okay, you know what, that is a little bit smarter. I don't know who the killer is now. And it surprised right. me when it turned out to be both of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I love that kill of Bertie in the house because he has that axe hit. In the forehead, but he's still gripping the axe as he falls to yeah. the ground. Well, yeah. I, I love it that
0: yeah. it worked really well.
2: You have Johnny yeah. being completely like PTSD affected by seeing this murder of Birdie in his place, where he just can't get the fuck over it. Like he's just like, I, I saw this guy fucking get killed. Like, you know, <laughs> how do I move on from this? Like, you know, I I witnessed this act, um, but it leads you like you had said, who's the fucking killer now? But there is a great point in the movie before Bertie gets killed that Dario specifically put in the movie that the first time you watch it, you're not going to get. But there's a scene where Anne is talking to Jane on the phone before she leaves her apartment. And when she leaves, there's a statue of kind of like it looks like a knife blade. And all of a sudden the light hits the blade and it reflects off it for a couple seconds. That was Dario's way of saying that Bertie's story is done. And we're moving into the last phase of this movie, where you're going to find out who the other killer is. Like it's a passage of time, mm. where that was mm. his way of saying that the first mm. act is done. We're going into the final mm. act, and now you're going to know who actually Wait. is going. Is
1: so there's a flash on a blade on a statue, and that's signifying that. Now, is that the at the point that this flash on, on the blade occurs? Is Bernie still alive?
2: No, he's dead. He dies okay, so right after
1: that flash. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Ooh. Okay. See, so that just, was
2: Dario's way of saying that's done. We're moving on, but there's still I a killer also, out
3: there. I also took it as heavy foreshadowing that modern art was going to come into a play later, <laughs> as it does, in <laughs> a brilliant way. <Yeah. Right>. Um, <laughs> but it's so great
2: because now you have this this thing of where Peter Neal had been hit by hit in the head with a rock, so now he's he's kind of injured. And they decide that the best course of action for him would be to leave Rome and go to Paris to continue the book tour. Again, the police, at no point, are like, well, maybe we should kind of keep him here. You know, maybe we should kind of look into him a little bit more as a suspect or a person of interest. Instead, they're like, go to Paris, man.
1: Well, the best is the cop is like. You know, when he asked him, his literal his exact words were like, oh, are you, are you looking to leave town? I was expecting <laughs> yeah. him to go back and be like, well, don't. You know, like you always see that in yeah. like detective, you know, you, you see the guy, don't, yeah, don't sure. be leaving town anytime soon. Exactly. <laughs> no, instead he's yeah. like, oh, just make sure you tell me where you're going.
0: Send me your address.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it
2: shows you how inept these fucking cops are. Like they have no interest in, in Neil. They're just like, hey, man. Let us know where you go next, okay? Have fun. Again, we love your book, by the way. <laughs> but at no point were Altieri or Giamatti saying, yeah, we should have him stay here. No, they're like, that's fine. He's yeah. going to leave. Um, and then you have Gianni, who's just so fucking affected. PTSD, like I had said, by this death of Birdie, where he has to go back to the scene of the crime and see if he could find clues as to what really happened that night and to find out what sure. Birdie was doing there and why he got killed. He goes back and he realizes that Birdie said, I killed them all. I killed them all. Before he gets killed. He's like, oh my god. He was the murderer. Like, that's who did it. I, I figured it out. I'm going to go tell somebody. But then
1: who killed him?
2: Because <laughs> yeah, he immediately gets garroted in his car.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. So much
4: death. So many murderers. Who is the killer?
2: He immediately gets garroted in his car. And I'm like, that's so fucking cool. I, I mean... It's not the best death in the movie because it's very bloodless, but I do like the fact that he was killed. It's like, yeah, listen, you know, who's killing him? Who has the black gloves on? Obviously it's Dario, but who is actually killing the rest of these people? Um, You have Jane, who's left over, but we also forgot to mention Bulmer, uh, John Saxon's character, who is sitting in a square waiting for Jane, And his death, it's kind of like Randy from Scream Two, where he's killed in fucking broad daylight.
0: Anyway.
2: Like there's people yeah. around in the square, but they're so distracted they don't see him getting shanked in the middle of the square.
1: And you know what though? What was really interesting about this? You would think, okay, hey, the fact that this guy's getting murdered in, in public is like uh, the, the the big attention getter here. What I actually found in this scene. This was the first time, and I went back and kind of like, you know, went through different scenes in the film. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the first time I noticed the duality of everything in the movie. You know, you see John Fasson, and he's watching... The, the woman fighting with her boyfriend And then he looks yeah. over at the restaurant And you see another two people arguing And if you watch throughout the film There are multiple shots A lot of times throughout the entire movie Where you're seeing two of things It's almost like everything yeah. has its own like Alternative version of it going on Somewhere else
2: mm-hmm. That's a great point that you brought up Because it does play into the finale uh, And that's what Dario is trying to do With a lot of the duality of characters Mirroring characters. Mm. Like a couple fighting
4: that's
0: in the that's square. But duality. Duality. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, Isn't that
4: the name of the movie with Dennis Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme? Wasn't that called Duality? Isn't Duality? No, I
1: think it was... Maybe it
4: is. no, that was
1: like uh, you know, dude, I can't believe you just brought that up. Seriously? I was just talking to somebody about that movie. Um oh, not double impact. I want to say double impact, but that's another Van Damme movie. That's um, yeah, oh, Van that Damme
4: plays
1: two parts. Two parts, yes. But dude, seriously, like I, like random conversation at the con this past weekend brought up the Dennis Rodman bucket, Jean Claude Van Damme movie. That was wow. called double team. Double, double team. Double team.
0: Yes. Okay,
3: yeah. there you go. <laughs> I um. But with yeah, Jane <laughs> But Jane being left by herself in
2: her flat, uh, she is sitting out of a pistol, kind of not knowing what to do. She doesn't know if she's going to be next. She doesn't know how to react to this. You have and that's uh, a um, great shot of the pane, kind of setting yeah, up what's going to yeah. happen, um, <laughs> waiting for something. And all of a sudden, that axe comes through the window, hacks off her arm, and you get the oh, latest like arterial spray in this fucking movie, where she paints the wall (laughs) Ah. with her blood. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino said this is his favorite death sequence in any movie he's ever seen. He quotes this movie all the time.
1: This is the only thing I would say, is if the deaths throughout the entire film were this gratuitous, it would Mm -hmm. seriously ratchet this movie up another
4: level. I agree with that. As it
1: is, I'm I'm enjoying it. But this... Sequence occurred, and like the first thing that went through my head is, is like, why wasn't the whole movie like this? Because this is fucking great. She gets up, and (laughs) it's just
0: spraying
1: all over the place, and the arm is like a fire I'm like, wow, look at that.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as she's doing this slow motion turn to face the killer, the killer's not done yet. she She crashes to the ground, he's still hacking her up with the axe. Yep. And you see her body convulsing as he's hacking her up. Like he's not done. This is a violent kill. Like he intended it to be as violent as possible, uh, you know, in this act. And now you have Germani and Anne racing towards the scene, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And we have to figure out, you know, the ultimate end game of who the killer is. But unfortunately, hmm. Anne doesn't reach the house first. Altieri reaches the house first, and she gets axed by none other than Peter Neal. Axed, of course. <laughs> Peter Neal's the killer. What?
0: And a great shot
2: (laughs) where he axes her in the back, and all of a sudden you have Anne and Germani bursting into the house, and he realizes, oh, fuck, I didn't kill Anne. Who the fuck did I kill? Oh, it's fucking Altieri. Like, he flips over her body with such a force, and he looks at her face, and he's like, fuck. That's not the right woman.
0: <laughs> and he just <laughs> kind of reverts
2: into kind of like a child. <laughs> <Ms.
0: Coosie. laughs> scoozie, scoozie. <Scoosie>. Yeah. <laughs> <Scoosie.
2: laughs> yeah. But the way that uh, Peter reacts to Germani when he comes into the house, it's almost childlike in a way uh, where it's like, I, 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 yeah, you know, hey, listen, I'm with this dead body. I, I don't know. Like he's not talking. He's just kind of was, cuddled up in the corner, and then you get the pieces the together. <laughs> yeah. But you get the pieces together afterwards that the flashbacks were actually Peter Neal. He was the one that was humiliated by this woman on the beach who shoved her heel down his throat, and that's what kind of
3: it was a man his and his shoved throat. her chick down his yeah. throat. Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs> well, well well, when you watch the flashback, you find out that this is all what happened during Beach Week when he did a Devil's Triangle, according to his daughter. That's right. This was that.
0: <laughs>
3: but you have Germani trying to arrest Peter Neal,
2: saying, well, you did this, so you're going down. And he whips out that switchblade and cuts his own throat. So you're like, oh, shit. You have Anne screaming her fucking head off as the body drops to the ground. And instead of checking the pulse or doing <laughs> the anything that a cop would do, he pushes her out of the house. <laughs>
0: like,
2: he puts her back in the car and he's like, aha, uh-huh, aha, uh-huh, I figured it out. It's because he was fucked up uh, from Rhode Island and he, he did some shit. And that's why he's doing these killings. And maybe I didn't figure it out in the books, but I figured it out now. Let me go back into the house and see what's going on. Oh shit, the body's <laughs> gone. The fuck's uh, the body?
0: Oh look, the switchblade's
2: still on the ground It's a fake one It pumps out fake blood Where the fuck is he? Right. And this is the greatest shot in the movie for me Oh yeah, Is when well, he yeah, looks on the ground He sees shot. the handkerchief And it says PN on it And he looks down And then he comes back up And Peter kneels behind him The fact that they match mm-hmm. the body types Of both of these actors Is uh-huh. a great shot Like It's so yeah, good yeah. how well they matched them both up
0: yeah,
1: and a, you know yeah, what? It, it, the, the scene it really totally is. got me. Did
4: it? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, monkey. Monkey, talk. Talk, monkey. Yeah. Just no, no, spit it out <laughs> for the love of God, monkey. Shut the fuck up, Doc. Uh, I'm
3: saying the same thing, man. It was a great shot. Help you. Freaky as hell. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, it just scared the shit out of me, too. It was a really, really good shot.
2: It was just so great, the fact that the body types matched, and then he throws that axe through, you know, Germani's back, and that's what kills him, but it also tips over that weird sculpture of all the cone-shaped objects, because it's 82, it's Italian, they probably have that, but and it knocks it from the door. So you have Anne realizing, I have to go in, it's been a little while since I saw this detective, so I'm going to go into what's going on. And you have Peter Neal getting ready for that death blow. He's got the axe. He's fucking ready, man. He's going to fucking kill her. But he didn't expect that that sculpture was going to go flying at him and pierce his chest and ultimately (laughs) pin him to the wall and kill him. And I love that shot where he's pinned to the wall and his hands are full of blood. The cones are full of blood. He's desperately trying to pull this fucking thing out of his chest, and he can't. And Anne's just screaming fucking bloody murder as this happens. Like, it's such a beautiful fucking way to end this. Murder.
3: Yeah. Again, yeah uh, uh, again, you know, modern art coming back into it because that's what you get for having dangerous art in your house, just like in fucking Beetlejuice, okay? <laughs> you know, I mean, you have
1: weird shit that's sharp and stuff like that. I mean, that that's just bound to happen, man. Um. Yeah, no, you know what? They they totally fooled me on the whole entire uh, him killing himself. I really thought he did. You know, they, they did a good job yeah. of, of selling it. He did a great job of selling it. It looked good with the blade. Um. When he walked back, when, when the detective walked back in and he wasn't on the floor, I was like, oh, shit. But it also <laughs> was one of those things that, like, I knew – what he had done, you know, like, I picked it up right off the bat, like, oh, it was a fake fucking oh, yeah. blade, look at that, you know, that was great, mm-hmm. um, almost feel like that was kind of like a, in a way, it was like, kind of like a meta thing, you know what I mean, because Argento
0: hey. is
1: doing that the whole film, with it's a fake blade, you know, so like, yeah. it yep. is being used yet again, but now it's being used in the course of the story itself, um, the, the scream, like, the, the ending sequence, was like a, a love and a hate for me I loved mm-hmm. the art Through the stomach I loved the way it looked I loved him trying to pull it out um, Obviously a little over dramatic With his yeah yeah, yeah But oh, her yeah. scream was annoying yeah. The scream was an annoyance That you know like it, it was almost mm-hmm. like I wanted to mute it And then when it cut back to him and, Unmute it And then when it went back to her Mute it again
2: I see that is my favorite part of this movie Is her scream Because that, the fact that it wasn't even Daria's scream, it was Teresa Russell who did the voice for Daria's character. The American actress that did the voice for her wasn't the one who did the scream. But Daria, in real life, when they were filming it, did the scream of herself, screaming bloody murder as this thing is going on. And over the credits, too, which I love the fact that it goes over the credits. The fact that this bloody fucking scream is going over the credits as that Tenebrae main theme kicks in. Um, but, yeah, it was it was uh, Teresa Russell who did that. Uh, David Graham did the voice for uh, Germani. Um, but uh, Anthony Franciosa and John Saxon were American actors, so they did their own ADR for the film. But it's just the fact that Daria's own scream wasn't used for the movie. I just I thought that was wait, so, like, creative.
1: Wait, the Teresa Russell?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Like, yes. From, like, Wild Things. Wasn't she in, like, yes. yep. Kiss of the Spider Woman or something like that, at, like, in the 80s?
2: Yes. And she was in Spider-Man 3. Uh, you know, she had a small part in okay. Spider-Man 3.
1: So, so yeah, shit, dude, that's Teresa totally Russell. Black Widow, that's what it was. It wasn't Kiss of the Spider Woman. Um, that was the other one. Uh, Dude, I totally had a fucking crush on this chick, man, back in the 80s. She was.
4: Mm-hmm. She was also – she was in a very, very bizarre movie – in the early '90s, called Horror.
0: Yes, yes,
1: no shit. Very
4: bizarre movie.
1: I caught that on Cinemax on a late night, figuring that yep. it was going to be uh, one of my, uh, you know, like, hey, I can yes. use this for the evening type of uh, of thing. Yeah, yeah, was <laughs> not. Totally it wasn't. Not. A... It wasn't it totally was not that.
4: Mm-hmm. No, bizarre, heavy, but, bizarre yeah. movie. She did the,
2: the uh, ADR for Daria yeah. and all the other female characters. So Very not just Daria, but every other of the female actresses she did the voices for. She changed her voice to do Marion, to do Tilde. Um, yeah, so she did all the voices. Wow. She's, impressive. You know, she's uncredited in the Very film. Very
0: impressive.
2: So David Graham also uncredited. So just like William Maddox, who did a lot of ADR for Italian films back in the day. He was never credited. It's one of those things where you have to kind of find it. You have to find that trivia bit. You know, Dario. You know, Dario would say it. You know, that we use American actors and American actresses to do the voices. But yeah, Teresa Russell uh, did that. So she was the one screaming her fucking head off at the end of the movie. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. Ozzie Argento, who is Dario's daughter, that was the whole reason she wanted to become an actress was because of this finale of the film, because she loved it so much. The rain coming down, her screaming her head off, gripping the sides of her head. It just made her want to become an actress because of what Daria did. And I thought that was just so impressive.
0: Well, considering what I'm, I'm a watched, huge Ozzy
1: fan. Uh, oh, see, I, I'm on the opposite end of that. And now this makes me dislike the scene even more because without this scene, I would have never been tortured with her in Triple X and, uh, you know, all the rest of the other films that I've seen her in. Well, those aren't that. good movies. I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I don't like
2: Triple X. I'm not a fan of that movie. But she was in a great movie with Jared Harris, who is currently on the Chernobyl miniseries on HBO called Bee Monkey. <laughs> um, I have she's a, a fantastic, movie, you
0: know. but,
2: <laughs> Yeah. But there's a fantastic movie she was in called Bee Monkey. And also, she did a movie called Scarlet Diva back in the early 2000s. It's called yeah, The Monkey. the Monkey seen it? <laughs> yeah, where she plays a jewel thief that falls in love with an English school teacher. Fantastic film. Uh, Scarlet Diva that she directed and wrote, which is all about her life as an actress, which is so great. If you guys could find a copy of Scarlet Diva. Um, again, like I said, I could talk about Italian cinema all day and all night, but we can't because we have to close out the show. Uh, so doc next week, it is your pick.
4: Do you have something for us? It is. So I was thinking about staying in the far East uh, with another culinary delight mm-hmm. Uh, I was considering there's a secret in my soup or human pork chop. Um, but I decided to go in another direction. So my pick for next week is from 2014. Uh, it is a German film. Uh, you can watch it and see it on both uh, free services, both Tubi TV or Vudu. And this okay. film is titled Goodnight Mommy. Oh, I like that one. That's a good pick.
0: Good night, mommy.
2: A good night mommy <laughs> is a really good pick. I actually just watched it recently. Solid movie. So I'm looking forward to talking about Good Night Mommy. A lot of things to say about that mm-hmm. one. Um oh, so yeah, it is available okay. on Tubi TV and Voodoo. Uh Tubi is actually how I watched it. So I'm really glad that you're picking this next week because I have a lot to say about that movie. Well that's right. my pick. Well, very, going. very cool. <laughs> All right. So once again, uh we just covered Tenebrae. Next week we're covering Good Night Mommy. Uh thank you so much, Doc, for joining us tonight. We look forward to your pick next week.
4: I look forward to my pick next week too. And uh, we'll be looking forward to yet another edition of Talking Terror. Excellent, thank you so much. Uh Mad Monkey, why don't you go ahead and do your sign off.
0: <laughs>
3: Ghoul, thanks for the pick. I had a great time watching the Sargento movie. And I'm your mad monkey saying thanks for listening and let me come in your ear. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ghoul, why don't you go ahead
2: and hit us with a plug as we close after
1: Okay, you know what? Again, just like everything tonight, for me, I'm going to go real simple. Um, check out on Etsy. Bonfire beat designs uh, You know, just just put it in the search engine All one word uh, We're coming off a very Very awesome weekend uh, At the Horror Sideshow Convention That was over in uh, in Pennsylvania In Allentown uh, There will be another one in September And we are totally looking forward to being there again But, uh, but yeah So just get over there. there There's all kinds of jewelry that you can get I'd say get something for Father's Day But you missed out, Fourth of July is around the corner Labor Day, get something for Labor Day. You know what? Halloween's gonna be here before you know it. You know, just oh find yeah. something on there. There's there's, there's horror themed things. There's just regular gemstone jewelry. You know, everything is unique and completely handcrafted. So she puts a lot of love and time into all of these things, and she just wants to share it with you. So well, there you go, Bonfire beat Designs, all one word on Etsy.
2: Really great stuff. I've, I've seen pictures, I've seen the crafts. She does a lot of great work. So definitely check her stuff out at these conventions, at these sideshow things that they do. It's worth checking out. Um, I know Tony Moran was at the uh, the sideshow. I saw a couple of pictures of him. Hardly recognizable Yes, she was. he has that biker mustache now. The handlebar. Uh, like,
1: whoa. yeah, he's got Tony. that for a role. It was a, it was a really good really? look for him. He's got the handlebar mustache going, and uh, but yeah, it's it's for a role in a film that he's currently uh, doing.
2: Yeah, I barely recognized him when I saw a couple pictures uh, on Facebook. I'm like, wow, Tony, <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm. looking badass with your tattoos and shit like that. I was impressed, but
1: glad that he's getting yeah. roles,
2: Still You know, so that's awesome. Uh, he
1: looked, he looked really good. He looked really healthy, which was, uh, which was good. You know,
4: so.
2: Well, same thing as we close out real quick tonight because we still have two minutes. Sid Haig is healthy. That is from the the movie. Yes, there we go. Um, Sid Haig completely healthy. He does not have AIDS. He doesn't have cancer. He's completely fine. (laughs) He's put on his Instagram page that he's not dying. He's not going anywhere. And this is the sad thing is because he keeps losing out on convention appearances because they think he's too sick to go, and he's fine. He just happened to lose a little bit too much weight Because he wants to be around for his grandkids And I understand that, it's great But Sid Haig is not going anywhere He's fine, he's 80 He's
1: strong He's an 80 year old dude as it is You know, you drop that kind of weight though And yes, he does, he looks sickly The last time I saw that he was booked for a convention And I saw some of the pictures From that thing, I was like Wow, you know, this guy Is didn't really seem warm yep. for the world To be perfectly honest with you So it's good news yep. to hear that he is going to be uh, Going to be around for a while I actually was looking through Shudder earlier And it looks like there's a uh, I guess at some point or another There was a Night of the Living Dead 3D
3: That there he was in Yeah um, yep.
1: yeah. I, as soon as I saw I heard him on the cover of it I was like you know what I've got to check this out Just because I'm sure he's
3: funny in it, so. mm,
2: it It's fantastic uh, I love Sid Hague to death. So I'm so glad that he's going to be around for a while. Uh, so, anyway, until next week, we're going to be covering Goodnight Mommy. That's going to be the pick of the demonic Dr. Dave. As always, keep America strong. Watch horror movies. <laughs> and we'll see you next time.
0: Peace. night, ghoul. Stay
1: scared, everybody.